Well, good morning, everyone, and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, a Vision for You Big Book Study. My name is Janice P.M., and I'm a grateful, recovered, compulsive overeater. Today, it's Tuesday, it's uh, February the 13th, 2018, and this is the 10 a.m. Eastern Time meeting. Today, we're reading from the big book. Chapter 2, there is a solution, and we're going to be reading one paragraph beginning on page 26, A Certain American Businessman. Now, today's readers for the 12 steps of OA will be Tracy V, The 12 Traditions, Reggio. Now, our readers for the text this morning is will be John K, Sherry KB, and Leslie W, and our newcomer greeters, um, our newcomer greeter is Melanie C. And we ask that you all uh, please just mute your line until your name is called, okay? Either to read, <clears throat> pardon me, or to share. Now, our share IDs this morning uh, for yesterday, Monday, that's the 12th of February, for the 10 a.m. meeting is 11,036. That's 11036. And today, this morning, uh, February 13th, at uh, 7 a, our 7 a.m. meeting is 11,040. That's a 11040. And again, a kindly reminder to mute your phone until you're ready to speak, even if you're doing service, okay? OA Preamble. Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who through shared experience, strength, and hope, are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. Our primary purpose is to abstain from compulsive eating and compulsive food behaviors and to carry the message of recovery through the 12 steps of OA to those who still suffer. Our sole purpose, OA's fifth tradition states, quote, each group has but one primary purpose. That's to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At A Vision for You Big Book Study, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and the 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. I will now ask Tracy B., to please read OA's 12 steps. Hi, this is Tracy B., Recovering Compulsive Overeater. Uh, step one, we admitted we were powerless over food, that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, we came to believe that a greater power than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. 
6, we were entirely ready to have God remove all of these defects of character. 7, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. 8, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. 9, made direct amends to such people wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. 10, continued to take personal inventory, and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. 11, sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him, praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. And 12, having had a spiritual awakening as the result of these steps, we tried to carry this message to compulsive overeaters and to practice these principles in all of our affairs. Perfect. Thank you, Tracy V. I will now ask Reggio to please read the 12 Traditions of OA. Hi, thank you, Janice. Good morning. Thanks for your service. This is Reggio, gratefully recovered in the Los Angeles area. <clears throat> and the 12 Traditions are one, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon OA unity. Two, for our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority, a loving God as he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants. They do not govern. Three, the only requirement for OA membership is a desire to stop eating compulsively. Four, each group should be autonomous except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive eater who still suffers. Six, an OA group ought never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise, lest problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA as such ought never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. Ten, Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues, hence the OA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. Eleven, our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, and films. And 12, anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all our traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. Thanks for letting me be of service this morning. And thank you so much, Reggie O, for your service. How our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the Big Book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature, then stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and literature we are discussing and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. Our abstinence requirement for moderators is one year, and for readers is six months. There is no abstinence requirement for sharing on topic. This meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We are sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. Now to share, press star one 
to unmute. Once you are done sharing, let us know by saying pass. Then press star one to mute your phone. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone except the speakers should be muted. Well, today we resume our study of the big book on, um, oh my goodness, on page 26, uh, paragraph one. All right, and at this time, I'm going to please ask John Kay to begin reading for us. Thank you, Janice. This is John Kiernan, recovered compulsive overeater in Los Angeles. A certain American businessman had ability, good sense, and high character. For years, he had floundered from one sanitarium to another. He had consulted the best-known American psychiatrists. Then he had gone to Europe, placing him in the care of a celebrated physician the psychiatrist, Dr. Young, who prescribed for him. Though experience had made him skeptical, he finished his treatment with unusual confidence. His physical and mental condition were unusually good. Above all, he believed he had acquired such profound knowledge of the inner workings of his mind and his hidden springs that relapse was unthinkable. Nevertheless, he was drunk in a short time. More baffling still, he could give himself no satisfactory explanation for his fall. Well, I tell you, you know, when I read a paragraph like this, I, I, I believe that this program came from a power greater than myself and you or any of us. And I'll tell you why, because I, if you look at the beginnings of AA, I, I joked that I said, I think it's like God played chess. You know, this guy they're talking about here is a man named Roland Hazard. You know, he came from a very wealthy family sends him to Europe to get help and money is of no expense. He can get the best psychiatric help there is. And um, the best at the time was actually Sigmund Freud, but he wasn't taking new patients. And then there was Dr. Alfred Adler, who was another great psychiatrist. He wasn't taking new patients. So Hazard ends up with Dr. Young, and that's absolutely key. You know, he spends a year in rehab. You know, he say that, a year in rehab, and then when he gets out, he gets drunk very quickly. That's a typical alcoholic story. It certainly was mine. <laughs> um, but without getting too far ahead in the story, the fact that he was treated by Dr. Young, not Freud or Adler, was so important because when he does end up lumping back to Dr. Young, Young admits defeat. You know, there's no human power that can save Roland. And only Dr. Young of those three accepted the spiritual side of things and who pushed Roland in that direction. You know, and then, so Roland goes back to New York. He ends up meeting up with a group of men, and thanks to the direction he's been pushed by Dr. Young, he ends up in the Oxford group. He meets a guy named Seabrew Graves Jr. They start working with other alcoholics. Well, they end up leaving New York and going up to Vermont, where Graves convinces his father, who's a judge, you know, to let him work with other guys that the judge is about to throw in jail for their drinking escapades, and there's Ebby Thatcher. You know, they end up working with Ebby Thatcher, who comes back down to New York City. Ebby then meets up with his old childhood chum, Bill Wilson, and then Bill Wilson later finds himself in Akron, Ohio, wanting to drink, and there he meets Dr. Bob, and then they, they, they start AA. I mean, really? <laughs> really? I mean, think about that. Switzerland to New York to Vermont, back to New York, and then to Akron? I mean, you know, that's not chess. That's grandmaster chess, you know. And, 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 and the synergy of those two men is so important because Bill was an impetuous, newly sober alcoholic. If he'd have done this on his own, it would have exploded this big phenomenon 
that would have then flamed out because he would have been too ambitious and it would have screwed up. You know, and if it had been Dr. Bob alone, it would have been a great little program that probably would never have left Akron. But you put those two guys together, and, and it was the beginning of the history, you know. And, you know, they say, is it odd or is it God? Well, I tend to believe the latter. But as I tell newcomers, it's fine if you don't want to believe me, uh, join me in that belief. Uh, all you really need to believe in is this program and the uh, the steps and what's outlined in this book. And, and the only other belief is not that there's a higher power, but that you're the lesser power. And that's, that's the beginning of recovery. And uh, with that, I'll pass. Well, thank you so much, John Kay. Okay, we're going to continue to read and, I mean, to comment on page 26, paragraph 1. Who would like to be up? Chevy Kay. Sherry Kay. Chevy Kay. Is that Chevy? Yes, Chevy Kay. Chevy Kay, and then there's Melanie C. Rose M. I heard that. Is it Rose M? Yes. Okay, and somebody after Rose? Marietta P. Kenny P. Marietta P. Okay. And one more. Christine M. I, was it Kathy M? Christine M. Oh, Christine M. Okay, great group. All right, let's go with Chevy K. Chevy, it's your turn. Good morning. This is Chevy K. Can I be heard? You can. Hi, good morning. My name is Chevy Kay. I'm a grateful, recover, compulsive overeater, uh, taking each day one step at a time. Thank you for your service. Thank you, everyone on the meeting um, who encourages me and inspires me on a daily basis. Uh, this is my first time sharing, so I'm just a little nervous. Please bear with me. Um, it's actually ironic that I'm sharing on this paragraph, um, which addresses relapse, and I I'm just recovered um, off a year and a half long relapse. What jumps out at me in this paragraph um, and what I really identify with is um, above all he believed he had acquired such a profound knowledge of the inner workings of his mind and its hidden springs and that relapse was unthinkable. Um, And I too thought relapse was unthinkable. And after almost three years of abstinence, I thought I was untouchable. Um, I looked good in all my clothing. I wore a size four. I knew how to do step tens and pray. And I had uh, confidence, and my physical and mental condition was as sharp as can be. Uh, so I started allowing myself certain quote-unquote food treats um, with the rationalization that they didn't have added sugar. And before I knew it, I was binging even worse than before I had come into program. I once heard someone say that it's easier to stay abstinent than it is to get abstinent, and it was so true by me. I struggled to get back on my feet, and each time I binged, it became harder and harder. Food was my God all over again, and I couldn't beat this nasty, sneaky addiction that kept tricking me. And kept battling my never-ending resolutions to binge this one last time. So when God decided I had finally hit rock bottom, because only God can decide that, um, he sent me a custom-made, just-for-me sponsor. She's an angel. And she believed in me through my struggles, and she took me through the steps in a way and with an angle, I should say, lens, that had never been placed on my face before, so to speak. Thank you, God. 
So now I'm in recovery on a daily basis, and God reveals more to me little by little. The disease does still baffle me, and uh, normal daily life occurrences and family relationships still baffle me. But as I work the steps, I truly learn more each day in God's time frame. I often pray to God that I should have listening ears and listening eyes to feel them in my heart and to hear his messages. And still being newly recovered, I, I often miss them. Um, but um, actually, just the other day, I was walking outside with my baby, and I was struggling. I forget it was either with a step 10 or um, some fear, but it, something didn't feel right inside. And um, I was feeling a little bit down. And right at that moment, I, I passed a yoga studio. And I was I was talking to God, and uh, I looked in the window of the yoga studio, and there on a T-shirt, um, red in big, bold, black letters, love yourself. Um, and that message felt really healing, and I felt like it was from God, and it lifted me, setting the tone for the rest of my day. Um, it's hard to put into words, but I just wanted to share. Um, anyway, just want to share my very little experience, but God gives me strength and hope. Thank you for allowing me to share, and I pass. Have a beautiful day. Thank you, Chevy K. Janice PM, are you there? I'm here. If I couldn't mute, unmute. Sure, go ahead. Thanks so much, Melanie C. Recovered compulsive overeater from Oregon. Mm-hmm. It's a bit of a rolling hazard um, story myself, and I like being able to remember because I never want to forget. In 1989, I had gone through a series of outside support kinds of things, and I thought I was kind of getting squared away. <clears throat> and then my mother mentioned something about Overeaters Anonymous. I hadn't ever heard about it before. And so I um, thought that I would, would go and see what this was all about and, and went in the rooms and um, thought that I figured it out. I really had a great – my mind was in good shape because the outside influences where I was working in, on those kinds of things. And inside the rooms, I found a way in which to work on this other piece, and I was convinced. I was I was just really convinced and, and promptly um, had um, applied what it was that I thought that I understood and 130 pounds was removed from my body. And I was so grateful for that. And I went to my very best pal, my high school pal friend forever and ever and ever. And she was a eating buddy of mine and um, told her, about what had happened to me, and I would never go back again. I was never going to have to be in that place where she and I had been for 30, 40 years already, and um, something was different, and I was selling her on this deal and worked and worked and worked at selling her on this deal. And and, um, it wasn't but about eight months later that um, things began to kind of slip and slide around, and so I was scrambling around for a new thing, a new deal that I was going to be able to keep this deal with, and I had no idea. Well, to look at it in hindsight, I can tell you that I had um, applied the same kind of food plan. You know, my best food plan uh, got me in these rooms, but I applied that same kind of food plan in the rooms while I was here, and um, and that was obviously starting to slip. The, the honeymoon phase, as people talk about in these rooms, started to slip, and um, the other thing is, is that I had, when I look back on it to reflect, I um, was also 
biking every day 15 miles or running 5 to 10 miles, you know, on the opposite days. And that's exactly how I was doing it. And I noticed that I hadn't applied any steps. I hadn't gotten into asking anybody about these kinds of things. I had met with a sponsor from time to time, but the elements, just like Roland was, have, was having here, the, those elements, those pieces, once that the, the disease, the allergens out of my body were not being applied whatsoever. And I didn't know. I simply didn't know and couldn't have known. And I went on about that kind of business, stopping and starting, stopping and starting, because my mind was completely blocked and unable to see or hear for 17 more years inside the rooms of OA. It is an interesting thing, this mind of mine, and what it tells me it can do and won't do, and the ego that was so involved when I was telling my friend that I had found Eureka, I had found the place and the way in which to do things, and it was going to keep me, and I wasn't doing anything differently than I had before. When something different happened, when somebody really outlined the guidelines here, throwing all the other stuff aside, being very frank with me to say, this is it. There, this is it. This is it for me. This is the way it worked for me. Follow it exactly, and you'll have what I have. That's when it made the difference. So I, I just wanted to share that piece. Thanks. I'll pass. And thank you so much, Melanie C. Okay, Rose M. It's your turn. Hi, um, this is Rose M. Um, from the Philadelphia area. Um, when, whenever I read this paragraph, I, I identify with it so much because I, I feel like, um, just like what Melanie was saying that, um, I went through something really similar. Um, and I, um, I had actually heard about vision for you. Um, and I didn't act on it right away. Um, I, I waited a couple of months. And um, I had I had heard about it um, in a very random way, um, and the woman I spoke with was um, was very enthusiastic about it, and um, and very compassionate, and um, she she listened to me, and um, and I just there was something about about what she said um, that just kept me thinking, and so um, I have been having a lot of health problems. Um, I went to see an endocrinologist who was able to help me, and I thought I had been having thyroid problems, and um, what this endocrinologist told me was that I was pre-diabetic. Um, I uh, really, really have problems, cannot process sugar with any kind of efficiency. My body never will be able to, um, and, you know, I was going to become diabetic quickly, and, and I'm I'm in my mid thirties. Um, so that's, you know, a little bit, a little bit unusual. Um, but, um, but this man was so compassionate. He didn't blame me. He didn't shame me. He said, this isn't your fault. This is a genetic problem. And, um, really he's one of the best physicians I've, I've ever met. Um, and I'm a healthcare professional. Um, so I feel like I can, I can kind of make that judgment. Um, and when he gave me this knowledge about what I was supposed to eat, my medical condition and everything else, I thought, oh, finally, this is the answer. Oh, I can stop jumping from thing to thing to thing, from diet to diet. This torture is going to end. And now I know what this food does to me. Um, and, you know, um, I guess maybe about two weeks went by and I was face first in the food again. Um, and then I knew I was in trouble. Then I knew I was in big trouble and I didn't know how to get my way out of it. And then I remembered um, – then I remembered OA and the conversation I had with um, with my friend from Vision for You, and um, I started listening, and um, and 
you know, I'm just so happy that I did. I really think it was God that connected me with the program. And, um, and you know, it's, um, it's just been such a blessing to be, um, to be involved with the program and to have freedom from the food. Um, and I'm working the steps um, right now, um, again, after having had a relapse. Um, but I still feel so connected to God, and um, I'm just so grateful um, you know, to be on this journey. Um, and, uh, you know, just the inner knowledge, I mean, how, how my body worked and having that knowledge and having seen an excellent physician who could help me, um, that, that was actually part of, of what I needed to know, but, but it wasn't the whole answer. I really needed a relationship with God. Um, and, uh, so with that, I passed. And thank you so much, Rose M. Marietta P., it's your turn. Good morning. It's Marietta P. Can I be heard? You can. Hi, Marietta. Hi. Thank you. Uh, This paragraph, I mean, it just brought a lot to me reading it. It's, um, first of all, you know, of course I had ability and good sense and high character, you know, I mean, I, I, you know, I, I thought a lot of myself, you know, in my disease, and thought little of anybody else actually. And um, I also thought, you know, once I got into OA, if I had just gotten the right food plan, and before the food plan, if I just got the right sponsor, you know, then it would be, you know, all things would just fall into place, and. Um, have to say, you know, I've had great success with, you know, a great food plan and taken all the weight off and and had that confidence that, you know, oh, this is, you know, I can't see myself relapsing ever again. To my dismay, you know, within a few years, I was just back up and beyond where I had started. And, uh, you know, even it comes to mind for me, even, you know, because we're in, there is a solution. You know, we started off uh, with the doctor's opinion. You know, and that gave me a lot of self-knowledge about, uh, you know, I shouldn't put certain foods into my body because they trigger that phenomenon of craving. And prior to, you know, going through this book with a recovered person, I knew nothing about the doctor's opinion, those letters, had never really read them let alone studied them, you know, and I got a lot of self-knowledge out of that, that, you know, there's certain foods I should not put into my body. And, uh, you know, that mental twist, which I always saw as, uh, you know, back in the day, you know, I was a bad girl. I was bad when I did certain things. I behaved like a child that I was, you know, had done something bad. You know, I had a bad day, so I did something bad. And today I know that it's unless, I pick up these spiritual tools, the, the steps, and incorporate them into my life uh, as, as, you know, page 83, it states that, you know, a spiritual life is not a theory. I have to live it. And that's what I must do. I must live this program. I must not just be, you know, studying and pulling out when something comes up, but I must be using this even when there's nothing on the horizon instead of using it as a help call when something does appear. And, uh, you, know, it's, you know, it's been a wonderful experience, that freedom 
that I've gotten through working to live this program of recovery. And, uh, you know, with that, keeping spiritually fit, you know, I don't have to pick up and get drunk or get fogged under with with the food and lose that that uh, spirit for living and, and living life one day at a time. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you. And thank you so much, Marietta P. Well, good morning to you, Christine M. Well, good morning to you, Janice. Good morning, everyone. This is Christine M., gratefully recovered in Missouri by and with the grace of God. Um, I want to talk about where it says, uh, above all, he believed he had acquired such a profound knowledge of the inner workings of his mind and its hidden springs that relapse was unthinkable. Then right after the jaywalking story, um, uh, a page after that on page 39, you know, it talks about, but the actual or potential alcoholic will hardly be an exception. We will be unable, absolutely unable to stop drinking on the basis of self-knowledge. And, you know, for me, I, I thought that, you know, Roland thought that if he just got the right doctor and if he just, you know, got enough information, he would be okay. And that's what I thought. If I just got the right sponsor to say the right thing at the right time, and if I just got to know this book backward and forward, I'm going to be okay. But the truth of the matter is, is that uh, no human power could have relieved my compulsive overeating. So me having knowledge of the big book and who I thought was the right sponsor um, and I thought was the end-all, be-all, and I was using them as a higher power, um, I could know this big book all I want. You know, that's great that I have the information, but if I'm not putting in the practical application in my life, then it doesn't mean anything. It's just things that are kind of rolling around in my head. Um, and for me, you know, it had to be a power greater than my sponsor. It had to be a power greater than a doctor, a power greater than myself, because I'm beyond human aid. And, you know, when it talks about, you know, um, being beyond human aid, I can't rely on others. Um, to get me abstinent and get me recovered and keep me recovered, but I, I also can't rely on myself. I'm human aid. I'm included in that. And sometimes I want to get self-reliant, and the truth of the matter is is that um, I'm powerless over food and I'm powerless over um, the defects of character that only God can remove in his way in his time. So um, I'm just so grateful that um, that, you know, I got enough pain to where I was at a place of humility and at a place of um, acceptance and desperation to where I was able to um, let someone walk me through this book and go through this book like I've never heard it before, like I've never read it before, and have an open mind and an open heart. And for me, that's where that set-aside prayer comes in. Um, And I'm so grateful that someone was kind enough and patient enough to take me through the steps as outlined in the book. And... I, I, what I've gained from that is a, it's a spiritual awakening and a relationship with a power greater than myself and continue to live in 10, 11, and 12 so I can continue to grow spiritually and do God's work for another day. I'm so grateful to be here and so grateful to be recovered. Um, this can happen for you too. The recovered people that you hear on the line, we don't have something that only we can have, only we can get. This is 
this is, you know, for everybody who's willing to do the work. And, you know, that's what you guys taught me. Christine, it's not about what you know. It's about what you do. Are you willing to go through with this work? Are you willing to, you know, make a phone call when you have a free thought? When you put the food down? So I'm just really grateful to be here. Uh, thanks for letting me share. And thank you, Christine. Okay, for those that just perhaps got on, uh, we're reading, we're commenting on page 26, paragraph 1, talking about Roland Hazard. Hazard. Who's Who would like to share next? Ori B. Ori B. Yeah. Kelly T. Kelly P. Anybody else? Leslie, Leslie W. Leslie W. Anyone else? All right, let's go with uh, these three and see what happens. Okay, Ori B, it's your turn. Yeah, Ori B from Los Angeles, can I be heard? You can. Man, this, uh, like the previous uh, fellow shared, I mean, this takes me back to, this, this paragraph takes me back to a time where, you know, I was going to um, the hottest big book workshops in L.A., um, you know, I was throwing all of the, the great quotes out there from the big book, um, you know, seeking out the, you know, the hardcore sponsors and um, showing up to the hottest meetings in L.A., kissing babies and shaking hands. And like that, that like the self-knowledge and, you know, knowing this, knowing, knowing these words and being able to, you know, recite these words like a parrot or something like, or regurgitate these words like a parrot. And it had nothing to do with like actually applying the spiritual way of life. And that's something that I stay cautious of this time around in this recovery. Am I trying to, you know, demonstrate, you know, how much I know and how much I can prove to you I know or all that nonsense, or am I actually applying this spiritual way of life? And this just reminds me that, you know, self-knowledge, it, it, you know, me, you know, how smart I am, um, you know, it talks about the, the best-known American psychiatrist. Like, none of, that mat- none of that matters. What matters is, am I practicing this one day at a time? And that's what I'm trying to focus on today in this early, these are, this, like, I'm still a baby in this. And that's what I need to, like, just focus in on is actually doing the work, actually getting closer to God. And, cl- and just cleaning up and applying this. So thank you for letting me share. And thank you so much, Ori B. Okay, I believe it's Kelly mm, P. Is it Kelly P? Hello, this is Kelly T. Can you hear me? Yes, I can. Hi, my name is Kelly T. from New York City. Um, I really love this paragraph because it reminded me, I went way back even before I knew about OA and 
I was at that time I was anorexic. Um, I used to be overweight, and then my obsession. I was so obsessed. I remember going to waiting for doctor's appointments, and I would just spend my time online just trying to find, um, like, healthy eating, vegetarian food, um, like, anything that is the least calories, the least, um, um, the least calories, um, like, I, I, I was so against carbs, I was so against everything, and I used to spend so many hours thinking that if I got that knowledge of the best foods to eat, that I'll be healthy, that I will be, I will never gain the weight, but at that time, I was so crazy that I was, like, I was 110 pounds, like, of course, I'm, I'm going to be compulsively eating when I, I was even, you know, eating nutritionally, so it's just amazing, you know, and today I, I have to let, let go of a sponsee because she is not willing to do take action, and it's so frustrating, but then I was thinking, wait a minute, Kelly, when you got into the room, you weren't willing either. I went through seven sponsors in a year and a half in OA because I was not willing to put down the food. I was not willing to do all the work. I'll do half willing, and that's and here in in the program, you need to go all the way, not just half ass. And I had to learn the hard way. I had to really hit that bottom to do the work, to go the extra mile. And I was able to let go of the resentment towards um, my sponsor because I'm like, it, hey, she's not there yet. She hasn't hit that bottom, and it's okay. When she hits that bottom, she'll be back in in OA hopefully. And with that, I pass. Thank you. Thank you very much, Kelly. A T. Uh, we have Leslie W. next. Leslie, your turn. Hey, Janice. This is Leslie W., recovered compulsive overeater in Tennessee. Thank you for your service. And um, just, you know, this paragraph reminded me of um, all the things that I did Um you know, even even after <laughs> some of the craziest things that I did occurred even after, it, you know, entering the rooms of, of Overeaters Anonymous. Um, after my <clears throat> second child was born in 2014, I decided that in order to get the – this was all before I found vision, all be, before I had um, got recovered from this, this disease, but um, – I joined a Medifast. Um, I went to this pay and weigh center and they weighed me and I spent money on food and I took, I took my baby in there every week. And, um, you know, I, I really saw no progress. Um, and it was so frustrating for me. I just couldn't figure out why I wasn't seeing any progress. It was so, so, shameful um for me i i i once again was relying on human power and then in 2015 um i was diagnosed with um high blood sugar prediabetes and um <laughs> uh i began scrambling for help um my doctor you know i was 36 at the time um, 35, 35, 36, something like that. My doctor wanted to put me on metformin. Um, 
and I found a trainer to help me. And I'm like, I got to get this weight off. I got to get this blood sugar down, blah, 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 blah. And you know what, guys, it's just the solution was never in any of those things for me. It wasn't because, once again, I was relying upon human power to um, to free me from my obsession, to free me from this awful disease. And, you know, God is the only one who can do that for me. And And when you're just starting in this, you need a lot of support. I needed a lot of support. I needed a lot of accountability. But I also needed recovered fellows around me to tell me the truth. Because there was so much dishonesty in my life. There was so much dishonesty. I, I couldn't see the truth from the faults. I really couldn't. Um, and uh, I thank God that I don't have to live that way anymore. Um, in a great big ball of frustration and shame. Um, I don't have to go searching for the next thing um, because I have neutrality today. I have peace in my life today, and that is priceless. And it's all thanks to this program and to God. I pass. I'm glad uh, I'm glad you took were taking time, somebody, because I forgot to take it. Okay, now we have some more time for more people. Who would like to go next? Page 26, paragraph 1. Anyone? Terry H. Terry H. Please go ahead, Terry. Anybody else? Deborah J. Deborah, I'm sorry, uh, Terry. Deborah H. J. Deborah Deborah J. Anyone else? Julie E.B. Julie E.B. Okay. Uh, let's go with those three for now. See what we got. Terry H., please go ahead. Hi, everyone. My name is Terry H. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater, bulimic, anorexic in North Carolina. Oh, wow. Thanks, to everyone, for your shares. Um, I think we lost you, Terry. Sorry, this is Terry H. in North Carolina recovered. Um, yeah, this this section in the book just brings me back to thinking about all the resources that I had at my hand that didn't work. And, um, you know, just like Roland, you know, the businessman, um, you know, he had the money and everything that at his fingertips to try to help his disease. And, it, and it, you know, some things it probably did help. However, you know, just like me, therapy helped some of the things in my life, but not my eating disorder. And it wasn't until, you know, I worked the steps and, you know, with a recovered person that, you know, led me to have a spiritual awakening. And, you know, now today I'm neutral with my food and my disease. And, you know, my disease will always be there. I will always have to do the work. And I'm so grateful that I had the willingness to um, just show up and ask for help and the willingness to practice rigorous honesty because that's what I needed to do to work the steps and, um, and clear out those blocks between my higher power and myself. And, you know, today it's, it's, you know, when things come up, I have the tools 
to continue to work on myself. I am a continuous work in progress, a lifelong learner. And I'm just so grateful for that. You know, for the newcomer, you, you have to put the foods down. You have to identify those foods and put them down and be abstinent and work through these steps uh, with a recovered person. And just, you know, be honest. That's all I, all I had at the very beginning, my honesty and uh, willingness to show up. And I'm just really grateful because all those other things did not work for my eating disorder, my disease. It worked for other things, but not for this. And uh, today I'm just happy, free, and uh, living life till its fullest. And with that, I pass. Thanks. And thank you so much, Terry H. Okay, uh, for the next two speakers, if you could take about two and a half minutes apiece, it would be great. Uh, let's have Deborah J. Did you hear me? Uh, no. No, I hear, Hello? I hear you now. I can hear oh, you now. Good morning, everyone. My name is Deborah Jane. I'm from Chicago. I'm a compulsive overeater. And I just want to say thank you for your service. And I can relate to um, to a lot of things that were said this morning. And that um, I'm just grateful that today I don't have to eat compulsively anymore like I did at first. And um, just being honest with them myself and learning about the disease and me in general, that has been truly a blessing for me on this journey. And I pray that I will continue to um, follow the path that was laid before me. And I thank you guys. And um, that's all I, I pass. Well, thank you so much, Deborah J. Okay, Julie E.B., it's your turn. Yeah, hi, this is Julie E.B., Gracefully Recovered in Colorado. And uh, as I look at this paragraph, I'm really struck by um, his unusual confidence um, and just thinking about um, how cautious we have to be about some unusual confidence. You know, he believed the knowledge of the inner workings of his mind and its hidden springs and he was trying to give himself the satisfactory explanation for his fall. Um, and uh, for me in program, it's not the why's, and it's not that I uh, do some kind of steps to figure out all the answers. As I do those steps, I learn uh, to rely on my higher power and my higher powers that comes to me through all the other people in the fellowship and um, and uh, the way that these simple steps uh, turn us away from the inner workings of our mind and into action and away from these hidden springs to develop uh, new new uh, reactions and actions and and uh, just the gift of pausing when irritating doubtful and asking you know for the next right action humbly reminding myself i'm no longer running the show um, you know, you, you, with unusual confidence, it's easy to return to running the show, especially for the people I'm closest to in my life. So I'm very thankful for these steps and for this simple program of action. And for those who are still suffering um, in the disease, I just uh, ask and pray that they might uh, reach out and, and keep at it. Um, and and uh, you don't come in with confidence. 
you come in uh, often without confidence. And so uh, welcome. Thanks. And thank you so much, Julie E.B. You will be the last uh, share that we have today. So I'd like to thank everyone who has shared this morning. But at this time, uh, we just stick around because we have some newcomer greeter. We have some newcomers and um, some perhaps sponsors available. But at this time, I'm going to ask Sherry K.B. to please read a vision for you. Our book is meant to be suggestive, only keep you until then. Sherry? Yes, good morning, Janice. Thank you, everybody. This is Sherry KB in Northern California, great for recovery, compulsive overeater. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we only know a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order. But obviously you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right, and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past and give freely of what you find, and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. God, may God bless you and keep you. 